Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I promise we're going to have an actual intro for this flagrant Howls podcast at some point here. It's a little tough to get production done during a, a holiday week when everyone is going crazy. I'm Phil Mackey. Kyle Tige is back from his Mexico excursion in which so you were wait, so you were sitting on a plane Dog. and you see that Rudy Gobert gets traded to the Timberwolves and then it goes dark for you for how long? I swear on my life. So we're, we go uh, Portland to Seattle then Seattle to Cancun. Uh, I bought the Wi-Fi because, you know, you talk to enough people, there seemed like there was a little buzz that morning. It's like, ah, you know, something might happen. It's the first day of free agency. Um, And we're flying, and all of a sudden, it's like some stuff starts popping. The Woj tweet comes through that just says, Rudy Gobert has been traded to Minnesota, (laughs) and the wheels of the plane smack against the tarmac, and then my Wi-Fi went out. I have no service. Shout out to Verizon. Um, And I spent the next 45 minutes just being like, I, you know, like, we, we won the lottery. I have no idea how much we spent. Um, oh. So that was tough. And then I'm like, such like I'm a 33-year-old child. It's like I'm asking for the Wi-Fi password in customs, and that's not like cool. They don't want you to do that. So um, you're yeah, like, no, was- guys, I know that this is an international security gate here. You don't yeah. understand. The Timberwolves just traded for Rudy Gobert, and I need to know if that 2029 first-round pick is top three protected or not. I'm yelling across like a thousand people to my wife, like Abby, they like is Jaden gone? Like, what's going on? And she's like, can you just grab your passport and like be an adult? <laughs> Did um, they trade Jaden? I need yeah, to know. Exactly. Exactly. So no, it was good. And then once I got to the resort and I kind of caught up, I mean, it was uh, it was just chaos, right? I mean, that was I'll never forget. That moment, I'll never forget where I was. You kind of always remember, like, where you were when the Jimmy Butler trade was announced, oh. where you were during those big moments. So, uh, yeah, that was that was tough. I needed the weekend, by the way, as I'm sure you did, just to, like, snort tequila and figure out, like, what my take was <laughs> on this whole deal. Yeah, we uh, – and and we'll, we'll get into this whole deep dive discussion here in a second. But on the where were you front, so we had family coming out to visit us for four days over the weekend uh, in Seattle. And we were actually at the Seattle public market, just hanging out. We were at a brewery. I was like two and a half beers in and I feel my phone just vibrating and vibrating. And I, you know, I'm on a couple little text threads that, that pop up once in a while. So like if it vibrates a couple times, you know, whatever, but when yeah. it vibrates like 10 times in a, you know, 45 second span, like what is happening right now? Yeah. yeah it's like, you just, trade for that, like it's, it's not like a family member or something. And then when I look down and once I got <laughs> service again, I connected to Wi-Fi. It was just, you know, how it all, any of us had this. It's like 108 text messages and 40 Woj tweets. And it's just yeah. <laughs> slowly peeling back like an onion. Like, please don't let them have like, you know, traded ant or do something weird. And then you, you kind of got into it. And then you kind of 
give yourself a little time to figure out how you want to draft your response. But uh, yeah. no, big, big move. Um, biggest, I mean, it was the biggest news breaker of all of free agency. So they stole those headlines. And now, uh, now we can get into what we thought. So, okay, what is your, the, the, nationally, this is getting hammered. Uh, on Mackie and Judd today, we played a clip from Russillo and Bill Simmons, who called it the dumbest trade in 30 years, or, the, <laughs> or the, his least, not the dumbest, but like his least favorite trade in 30 years. Uh, you know, all the, like Nick Wright on Fox Sports 1, and all, all these sort of prominent talking heads that watch five minutes of Timberwolves basketball. You know, like I remember Stephen A. Smith discovered Anthony Edwards in the playoffs for the first time this year. Comes on his show the next day, he's like, you won't believe who I saw play basketball last night. So the nat- nationally, this is getting hammered. Just lay out your thoughts, man. I've, I feel like I've talked about this for three hours on Mackie and Jen. And I'll give the flagrant Howells audience my thoughts too, but the floor is yours. Is this a good trade for the Timberwolves? Yes. I was going to say too, on Bill Simmons' latest pod, he referred to Mark Laurie as Mark Aioli, which is like basically like a new sauce. So, I mean, Bill Simmons has is about as plugged into the Timberwolves as my grandparents are. Yeah. Um, but no, I think as my first public statement, like you kind of led with this with Judd too, like it was a clear overpay. Uh, I thought Britt Robson kind of put it well on on Dane's podcast where he said it was buying a $10 million house for $20 million. Um, but you did get the house. I when, when I when it came through and you saw how many picks there were and, and the players that came, thin, came through, uh, I thought back to like, I, I don't know if you play fantasy football. But oh, yeah. me and my, my I donate every year to multiple leagues. It's very exciting. My, yeah. my, my lifetime friends were in a, an auction league. So instead of like a snake draft where you draft an order, basically every player is available. You make bids and the highest bid wins. And we're all Vikings fans. We're all Packers fans. So years ago after a, uh, Adrian Peterson's rookie year, who was, he was awesome. Um, my buddy was like, I just want Adrian Peterson on my team every year moving forward. So he would just outspend everyone. It didn't matter what the cost. It didn't matter what the ESPN cheat sheet said. He was just going to get Adrian Peterson. And he's like, I'll figure out waivers down the road. I'll figure everything else. I just yeah. want this guy on my team. And if you look back at Adrian Peterson's next five years of fantasy production, it was like he was the second, second, sixth, 30th, and the first best player in fantasy. And that's kind of how I thought about this Gobert trade. It was like, it was a clear overpay. They put way too much assets into it. They probably would have added more picks if they didn't have that like seven-year rule that like limits you from doing it. But they got Rudy Gobert. Like, they got a three-time defensive player of the year who mm-hmm. everyone wants to be like, yeah, he's 30. Yeah, he was 29, like, 12 days ago. Like, so he was in his 20s, you know, when summer started. So um, it makes them just, I mean, it just makes them so much better. And it gives Chris Finch such, like, so many more options. And now this is a real team. I think the least favorite take from all this stuff has been people like Simmons being like, well, this is just Glenn Taylor wanting to, win now or mark glory wanting to win now like isn't that the whole point of all this like shouldn't they be trying to win like now yeah exactly why would you wait till anthony edwards is five years down the road if you go but you can win then too exactly exactly you can win you can win both it's it's great that's the beauty of this trade and if if, go look on basketball reference like from 2020 to 2000 the first overall picks in like their third year what their team's record was and who was on their team i think there's like five examples out of 20 years where a team was above 500 and there was like a Derrick wow. Rose 52 and 30 year a Ben Simmons year uh, a LeBron year I mean guys that are like big time guys so for Ant to still be 20 and have this much talent around I mean Anthony Edwards is the same age today as Chet Holmgren who was born in summer league but like they're the same age Chet Holmgren's going to be on a terrible OKC team for a while Anthony Edwards is on a team that has 
title expectations and he can't drink yet. So I think it's important to like, we do this all the time. Where we just want to like push everything down the road because then you don't have expectations. You can't get let down. And there's a Timberwolves factor to this, but they're awesome. Like this is the most talented, not maybe this most successful. This is the most talented team in Timberwolves history. Bar none. Wow. Well, I need a second to, there's only, there's only one other boxer to put the, in that ring, right? The yeah. 0304 Timberwolves. And they right, were, and again, they were good. But I mean, talent wise, you have, I mean, KG would obviously was a Hall of Famer, but Gobert is going to be a Hall of Famer, right? Like mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards at 20 is probably has so far to go. But the Basketball Hall of Fame is like, I mean, you and I are a couple made jump shots away from making it as well. They let so, anybody in pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So talent wise, and you think about guys that are also good basketball players, like regardless of your whoever you think about D'Angelo Russell, he's good. Mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson's good. Torian Prince is good. Like Jaden's good. So talent wise, they have the most ingredients they've ever had. Now, will they actually create a good menu, a good entree? Who knows? That's what we have to figure out over these next couple of years. But uh, yeah, it's. It's a no-brainer to me. And again, too, we know this because you cover the Vikings. You cover the Twins. Like, you just have to overpay for all-stars. I mean, no one is going to come here on their own free will. So yes. um, this was not my take, by the way, on Friday. I needed, like, multiple. Did you, think it was, did you think it was a bad trade right away? Yes. Yeah. I mean, just because I didn't mind the players. I kind of thought Pat Bev was going to be out at some point. Again, you're not going to build around him, right? He's in his 30s. And, you know, hat tip to him because he changed this whole thing but um i like vando i like malik beasley but you're not you got to give up something and they didn't give up any core players yeah. and then the picks it's like yes they could be really really bad or they could also be like 20th 18th 27th and like you know they could be five more walker kesslers right it's just like so they didn't get a blue chip player so i think it's okay to like have expectations right like that's all we that's all you talk about with like the vikings like it's okay to like have a higher floor and be like we expect you to go win you know 10 games this season if you're the vikings like we expect you to go win 50 games now if you're the timberwolves Anthony towns can't wait five more years for ant to hit his peak because he's going to be in his 30s and as someone who is in his 30s it's like life's a lot tougher everything hurts more (laughs) have you ever seen uh either the original or the remake that can't buy me love that 80s movie that nick Nick cannon and christina milian remade it yep (laughs) Like, like the Timberwolves for, you know, I was born in 1985. My first Timberwolves memories are of the Christian Leitner teams of the early 90s. We talked about that last week. And for the majority of those three decades watching the Timberwolves, they have been the introverted loser weirdo in the corner yep. while everyone else is partying, and they're just kind of the weirdo in the corner. We paid the Utah Jazz, basically, to make us cool. Right, that's that's pretty much what happened. Like <laughs> Nick Cannon, really you know, p- pays for a girlfriend to make him cool. That's what happened here, and I think I don't know if there was a Timberwolves tax on this trade. You know, Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge is an interesting one to negotiate with over the last fifteen years, mm-hmm. and I'd love to know, and maybe we never will. What were the next two closest offers, right? Because there had to have been other teams that put actual offers on the table for Rudy Gobert. Before I can officially say it was an egregious overpay, because I don't know who 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 else put bids in on the house before we can say it was an egregious overpay. To me, if you can keep Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, you know whatever you think about D'Angelo Russell, I mean you still have that expiring contract trade chip if you want it. You didn't give up that asset, and he's actually going to probably find it to be a great pleasurable experience to have a contract year and pick and roll off 
Cat and Rudy Gobert. I mean, this could yep. be a really nice year for D'Angelo Russell, and I'm not the biggest D'Lo guy. They kept their nucleus intact and added one of the greatest defensive players of our lifetimes. And the, and there, I think there's a whole conversation to be had over the coming months and for sure in the postseason about if you face certain teams like the Clippers from two years ago and the Mavericks in Game 6 this year that can go small, pull a big guy off the court, put Dinwiddie in, put Terrence Mann in, you know, how much was it Gobert's fault? How much can Cat and Gobert keep up with a five-out small ball lineup? And those are viable conversations. But to me, the the tone of the criticism has not been as much about these two guys can't coexist together. There's some of that. It's been about how can you mortgage that many future assets for a guy in Rudy Gobert that's not going to help you win a championship? And I say a couple things to that. Number one, people act like the Wolves franchise has something to lose. When I hear Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo, well, I mean, what are you going to do if it, well, what's going to happen? What do you mean what's going to happen? The same thing that's happened for almost 30 years. It, Wolves fans and the organization are Teflon. It's not like the, the, you know you're the Lakers or you are the the Golden State Warriors or you, you're a franchise with some legacy or history to lose or oh my God what if they fall into you know a five year span of not making the playoffs? That's commonplace for the Timberwolves. So that people right. are over exaggerating the oh my God downside of this. And I also think people are like people are looking at this as the all in final piece that well. This was it. Now you, be, 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 now you can't really trade future first round picks because you know the NBA has the rule where you can't. You have to have a, a first round pick every other year. So like this was your move. Now 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 you have to maximize it with this core. Okay. Well, Anthony Edwards is only going to get better the next four years, and you're going to probably have him for at least five or six unless something gets really weird because he's going to sign a max contract. Jade McDaniel's is only going to get better over the coming years. You do, if needed, have the ability. Let's say after one year, let's say everyone was right. All right, these guys just can't really play together at the level that everyone thought, which I'm not conceding that, but let's just say that happens. You're telling me that you can't trade Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns for first-round picks? Maybe you don't get the same haul that you traded out for. Um, and also, you still have first-round picks if you want to find young talent in 2024, 26, 28. So like, p- people acting like, well, this is the finished product. Well, no, it's actually not the finished product until five years from now, and Anthony Edwards is a fully realized version of himself. And you know, maybe you make the playoffs for the next four years, and you have first and second round exits like the Jazz have had, and it's not as successful as you wanted it to be. Well, okay, thanks for the memories, Rudy Gobert. Now we enter the Anthony Edwards prime years, right? Like there, right. this right. isn't. This isn't the end game to me. This is a really big move that limits some of the things you can do, but there's also other things that you can use to improve your franchise for the duration of that Gobert contract. That's my main takeaway from all this. Yeah, and you know, I blame I blame myself because as much as I think like draft grades are stupid and like trade grades that are made, you know, written four hours after a big trade is done. I think ESPN um, lo- gave the Wolves a D minus or something. But yeah, really. like I, I love that stuff because it just, <laughs> I just, it's just content, right? But on the same side, like this is a great example, and no one wants to do this, probably you and I included, but no one actually wants to be patient with this, right? Like you outlined the perfect path of, like, let's just say the, the Wolves are going to make the playoffs in 2023. And if they're not, then again, we'll get on here again. It'll be a, just a dumpster fire. But let's say they make the playoffs, whether or not they advance, you're already giving up a pick that's in like the late teens, early 20s. We just saw in this last draft that had some really good players. It's an absolute crapshoot by that point. You don't really know. Like Wolf fans didn't like the Walker Kessler pick. I was one of them. 
Um, so let's just say you make the playoffs this first year. You get rid of that unprotected 2023 pick. All you have left on the books is two more of those down the road. The pick swap, I mean, if Utah moves Donovan Mitchell, they're going to be terrible forever, right? Like you see those teams, once they unload their best players, it takes a while. So you're probably not going to do a pick swap because Utah will just be worse. And then in 2029, which the only thing about this that made me sad is that the last aspect of the Rudy Gobert trade will be when I turn 40. Yeah. And that just kind of put me in like a midlife crisis. I but. thought you were going to say that you looked up a list of sixth grade basketball prospects. And you're like, there's a guy on that list right now. There's a kid. From Indiana His name like is Bobby. Pretty, yeah. yeah, it looks very promising. So, I mean, yeah, you could be like, oh, my God, what if they gave up the first, the seventh, the fifth pick in the lottery moving forward? It's like, yeah, but what if they also just give up like three 24th overall picks? They never do a pick swap. And then in 2029, that's like the one that'll be interesting to monitor because mm-hmm. – it's so far away that Rudy Gobert might have retired. Um, but by that point, you got to figure it out. And I also think, too, that this hasn't really been discussed, but like I, I joked that Tim Connolly should let this marinate because he just got here two and a half weeks ago or whatever, and he's living in a hotel downtown. Um, they brought in a lot of people to this front office, this Avengers style front office that left really good gigs. Like Matt Lloyd from Orlando left the mm-hmm. first overall pick, right? Like Steve Sr. left the Grizzlies, Tim Connolly left Jokic. Do you think those guys just came in, uprooted their lives, brought their families and stuff, and were like, let's just take this crapshoot, and if it doesn't work, we'll just move in six months? Like, I think they all believed that this was kind of the deal to make and that it would give them a better ceiling, even if Gobert's older, than like the DeJounte Murray thing. Because Murray would have fit the timeline, but I also hate this idea that everyone has to be within the same age. Like, you kind of need adults. You need people that have been there before, and Gobert hasn't had long playoff success, but he's been to the playoffs almost every year of his career. Yeah. You know, there's there's so much to unpack here. Um, by the way, if you're hanging out with us on the Score North YouTube channel for this episode, if you could click the subscribe button and the like button, it can help spread the word to other Timberwolves fans that were, uh, that were doing this on a weekly basis with flagrant howls. And we also talk Timberwolves all the time on Mackie and Judd. Um, so the thing that has helped me form my opinion on this trade, because my, my, in the lead up to this trade, there were some reports that the Wolves were there was the the uh, the Ringer report from Kevin O'Connor, like five or six days before this went down, kind of floating Gobert's name out there and Clint Capella. Yep. So my mind was already kind of going there. Okay, what if they do land Gobert? Can he play with Carl Anthony Towns? There was that whole thing against the Clippers, and okay, yeah, he kind of got scapegoated for. You know, a blown 22-point lead at halftime that turned into a debacle in the second half. The thing that has helped me, actually, are watching YouTube videos of smarter people than me break down oh, what yeah. happened in those yep. games. Yep. And I'm not going to exonerate Gobert completely because he's one of the most important figures on a Jazz team that has not gone as far as... So I'm not saying that he is faultless or blameless. But if you listen to smarter people than me, and you're certainly one of them, too, and you tell me if I'm off on this, my interpretation... The failure in the third quarter of game six a year ago against the Clippers and then in the game against the Mavericks where they gave up another double-digit lead was less about Gobert being unable to stay on the court and more about how bad Utah's perimeter defense was. Think about just the size of Utah's, the other four guys on the court for Utah. You know, six foot one Mike Conley, six foot one uh, Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich, really good offensive player, not exactly clamps on defense. Jordan Clarkson, the shortest player in the Wolves' projected starting lineup is D'Lo, who's six foot four with like a seven foot wingspan. 
I think a seven foot wingspan is the shortest wingspan of the Wolves starting five. <laughs> That's crazy. And so Anthony, and again, Delo's not clamps necessarily. Anthony Edwards has shown flashes. I think when he wants to be clamps, he can. Jade McDaniel's, but so I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying they're the the 2004 Detroit Pistons or anything, but the Wolves have better defensive perimeter players and lengthier defensive perimeter players when they're playing at their best than the Jazz did. And if you watch some of those breakdowns of okay, so Clippers are playing five out or Mavericks are playing five out, they've got five three point shooters on the floor and they're playing small. The first thing that happens is a ball handler immediately gets by just a, a porous defensive effort. Mike from Conley a jazz might player. have been the worst defensive point guard in the league last year. Yes. You know what I mean? So I, to your point. So that's how it starts. And so now there's a there's a, a ball handler going into the paint and Rudy Gobert has two options. I got Terrence Mann out on the wing on the left side over here uh, in the corner ready to, sh- I should say, in the corner ready to shoot a three-pointer. But, you know, someone's barreling down in the paint for a free layup. So I'm going to go down to the paint and try and contest that shot. What's supposed to happen is other players are supposed to rotate to the corner where Rudy Gobert is coming off of. And there were dozens of times in those second halves where that just didn't happen, where communication was bad or somebody didn't rotate on time or whatever it was. So the simplest way to say it is, well, Rudy Gobert was the one that was caught, you know, but he wasn't quick enough or he was played off the court. But I feel like if you run it back with a different supporting cast that puts up more resistance, top of the key perimeter, he doesn't look as bad and he's not the scapegoat. He's also the central reason why they won 50 games on an annual basis and were even in those game sixes in the first and second rounds. So I'm not trying to like totally exonerate him and be a complete Wolves homer here, but I think people are underestimating how bad the rest of the Jazz defense was in some of those key playoff blowups. Watching some of those Utah clips in the playoffs, it would be like, you, I mean, you have a dog. If you and four of your friends went to the dog park and let your dogs out and then your four friends left and you're Rudy Gobert and you're just left to like <laughs> manage all the dogs, right? Like no one else was there to take care of the dogs. Yeah. I, as, as good as Donovan Mitchell is, him and Conley were just, a, we love to use this term, but they were turnstiles. It was just, come on in. We know Rudy's back there. He'll figure it out. Um, so when I said the Wolves, this is the most talented roster on paper they've ever had. I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Even Utah people have said this. This might be the most talented team Gobert's ever played with. He had, you know, he had Joe Ingles in a, in a couple of years of his really good prime. Royce O'Neal was solid. Donovan Mitchell is obviously an all-star, but you know, Cat's an all-star. Cat's been all NBA. Um, Ant's probably going to be an all-star here in the next year or so. So it's kind of like a perfect mesh of, uh, I think Jace Frederick had some stat too, where it's like the highest duo of like, uh, I think it was plus minus or something, defensive rating was Ant and Jaden, like for wings on the, on the Wolves. We wow. didn't lose either of those guys. Like, yes, Pat, yeah. Pat Bev was really good. Vando was really good. Those guys were like thought to be the two cornerstones of the team's defense last year, right? Yeah. And neither of them sniffed an all-defensive team. You're bringing in the guy who was three-time all-defensive player of the year. So if you just get, going back to like my Adrian Peterson thing, if you just get three years of the next four of him being all-defensive team, which means he's one of the 10 best defenders in the league, your defense is going to be incredible. And then, yes, at the top, D'Lo probably doesn't get enough credit. I mean, just having long arms in the NBA is a big deal. If you just put him out like an airplane, it's a big deal. And then you have Jayden like Chris Lindahl, Ant. just put him out there like Chris. Yeah, Lindahl exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's going to be massive. I mean, Gobert is going to be just around the paint, like one of those big inflatable things that you see at car dealerships. They just kind of go all like he's just going to be blocking everything. 
the cat defending the four thing, I also think that's a is thing. a li- yeah, and that that's a thing. But I also too like there's some I think this was on YouTube, but there's some really good comps to like how Al Horford and Rob Williams in Boston looked compared to how this will look. I mean, Al Horford, those aren't perfect comps, right? Because I think Rob Williams can pass a little bit better than Rudy. Carl's better offensively than Horford, but Horford's a little better defensively. But Horford's not like elite athlete in his 30s. So it can work. Like you can see, you saw it in Cleveland. You saw it in Boston. Like you can make it work with a big tandem. Um, And I think maybe Carl will have some deficiencies on that side. But then again, like they don't have to be on the court all the time. Like Rudy Gobert is going to probably be the starting center in the second quarter when they're going up against like every team's backup center. Or maybe it's Carl. Like you're going to have an all NBA center on the court probably for 48 minutes a game. And that's like a competitive advantage. So they're going to play, you know, 35 minutes each or whatever, 30, 30 to 35 minutes each. And they're so they're going to start the game together. And the biggest question is going to be, okay, in the last five or eight minutes, there are, I don't want to make it sound like there's no questions because there definitely are questions and there's going to probably be some growing pains here, but the last five to eight minutes is going to be the the biggest thing. On the offensive side, another criticism I've heard is, well, the Wolves just traded for a guy that you don't have to guard on offense. And my comeback to that is twofold. Their starting five with Jared Vanderbilt also didn't require you to, quote-unquote, right. guard him. He, he, he wasn't someone that was going to create a shot or shoot anything from outside, you know, point-blank range. So it's not like you're taking, you know... uh some sort of 40% three-point shooter off the court in favor right. of Rudy Gobert. So it's not there's not a drastic change in that regard. And I and and obviously he's not a skilled create a shot offensive player by any means, but the offense that he does get off pick and rolls and putbacks and cleanup and whatever else results in an average of 16 points per game on eight shots per game. So I, I think of basketball a lot too as like an efficiency math game. Where every team gets around 90 shots per game on average, and you need to score as many points as you can with those 90 shots. You don't get an infinite number of shots. You don't get, all right, we scored 120 points, but it took 150 shots to get there. You you don't get that luxury. You get about 90 shots in a game and then some free throws, and you have to maximize it. And Rudy Gobert, who does not shoot threes, wrap your head around the math of this again, averages 15 or 16 points on eight shot attempts. So the Timberwolves, previously the Jazz, start their game with 15 points on eight shots, and now you get 82 shots to score another 100 or so to be one of the highest-scoring teams in the NBA. And the conversation has been focused on defense, defense, defense. Did you guys know, audience, Wolves fans, the Timberwolves were the leading team in points per game last year? Per 100 possessions, the number one offense in the NBA was the Utah Jazz with a guy that— with a guy that you don't have to guard, clogging things up. Was he clogging things up and holding that offense back? Or was he maybe, by not shooting as much, because he doesn't need to, giving efficient offensive players time to operate and create, Donovan Mitchell, etc., right? And then the shots that he does take are guaranteed. That it's, he shoots 70%. So I just like the offensive thing is hilarious to me because the Utah Jazz were literally the best offense in the NBA per 100 possessions last year with Rudy Gobert playing 35 minutes a night. You also too like have to acknowledge that Gobert probably has to like in this offense or just moving forward in his career needs to like look to roll a little harder or just like look to score a couple more times. But it's rare to find a guy who's like, I just actually want to play defense. 
Like mm-hmm. I want to play it as the best, you know, one of the two best defenders in the league, him and Giannis. So that's massive. I also think going back to your offensive thing, like last year we saw Carl more than ever in his career, like attack from the perimeter, um, which was cool. He hit a lot of mismatches. And he, he, he has a pretty good handle, but it also just led to a lot of falling down, like just a ton. And it's just like, I don't really want Carl for the next six years to just constantly be taking his guy off the dribble as much. Like I love Carl, but you can't win the three point shootout, call yourself the best shooting big man of all time. And then just drastically cut your three point attempts in half. You know, like he needs to be taking eight threes a game. And that's going to happen now in this modified Finch offense where everyone's kind of spaced around Gobert. Gobert is much older than uh, Jared Allen was when D'Lo was in Brooklyn. But there are some insane YouTube videos of D'Lo and Jared Allen just running pick and roll. And Jared Allen is huge. No offense to Carl, no offense to Nas Reed, no offense to Vando. Rudy Gobert is one of the biggest humans in the league, and he sets, Jazz fans love this, he sets the best screen assists in the league. He's huge. So he's just going to free up Ant and D'Lo to have more room to attack because there's this 700-foot you know, Eiffel Tower there just giving those guys more room to go. Uh, stifle Tower. It's the yes. Stifle Tower. And, and one yeah. more to the, like, the back to the national media thing, back to what you said about I hate paying that much money to a guy who is not a threat on offense. I watched the finals like Draymond Green was pretty good, right? Like Draymond Green is yeah. a worse offensive threat than Gobert. I'm not trying to comp their game specifically, but like Draymond Green was just as much of a liability from outside, whatever. And it didn't really hurt that offense. So I think well, they had Iguodala a few years ago, they had Iguodala and Draymond Green on the court at the same time. Like you basically don't guard those guys outside the three point line, but they, because of all the other activity, they, they, and again, not an exact comp, but you can get away with having guys that don't shoot and play great offense if the rest of your lineup is attacking and, and great shooters, et cetera, right? Right, and like Giannis, again, like much different game than Gobert, but it's not like he's, you know, posted up in the corner as this offensive threat from deep. So I just think that, yes, it would be ideal if you just had a lineup of five Kawhi Leonard's, right? Like guys that can dribble, shoot threes, and defend, but that's not really how this works. So this does, this was also my like, kind of wet dream all along was can we just get ant to the two and Jaden to the three like if those guys are untouchables in the core of your long-term future can they just play where they should play yeah. and that that this does that so this is going to be massive i also think too like you guys talked about this a lot um in your reaction pods over the weekend but it is big for d'angelo russell regardless of what you think like he is going to have so much more space to operate he might not be the defensive player you want. He might not always take the best shots, but I still think, and Finch does too, like he's an elite passer. He is. And Gobert has much better hands than Vando. Like that was one of Vando's criticisms all along was he just didn't have the greatest hands. Nas doesn't always catch, you know, low passes. Gobert catches everything. And when's the last time the Wolves had a lob threat? Like I know Ant can catch lobs, but like Derek Williams, like a decade ago, like they just haven't had, like we're going to probably see three or four lobs a game. And those are just, essentially the easiest points you can score. So yeah. I think offensively, he's going to fit in more than you think. Um, and like everyone has mentioned, Finch knows how to coach two big guys at the same time. A side benefit, because we it's funny because we talked about Jalen Noel on our first episode of Flagrant House here last week. And he's a guy that nobody outside of the Timberwolves really pays attention to or thinks anything of. He's just like a yep. random guy that, that, that rides a bench. But he just moved up two rungs on the depth chart with Beverly gone and Malik Beasley gone. I think I'm pretty sure Chris Finch 
when he publicly praised Jalen Noel, knew that something was coming down the pipe with just yeah, the structure of this yep. roster going away. And I think yep. he made it a point to kind of prep people and say, we love this guy. And uh, I'm not going to say it, but if we trade Malik Beasley and or Patrick Beverly, we love this dude getting the 25 minutes a game that he probably should have been getting at some point last year. So there are, there's some some peripheral effects to this trade. You mentioned having Ant at the two and having Jaden at the three, but I think having Jalen Noel just get like, and I don't know, maybe they make a couple moves here and and it changes, but I think he's in line to to be the scorer off the bench that plays like 22 or 25 minutes right now. Well, and he we said this last week, but he's just like all the six men of the year, it seems like come from Seattle, right? It's just a Jamal Crawford effect. Yeah. like Just chuckers, I, man. Yeah, exactly. Like he, <laughs> he can come in and just score. We thought him when he got drafted that he was like this spot up shooter and he has pushed hard against that. He's like, no, like I can, I have a handle. I can create, I can create for others. I can create for myself. He might actually be like, D'Lo might not always take the best shots, but I think him and Jalen are like the two best guys at getting their own shot. Jalen might actually be the best player on the team right now to get his own shot in like a last second situation. It's obviously not going to go to him very often, but I think him coming off the bench is going to be crazy. And like you said, a week ago, we were like, what is Chris Finch like drinking? But now it's like, oh, this all makes more sense. Um, And it also, I put this out over the weekend, but like it does put a ton of pressure now on those Seattle kids, right? Like, if Jaden McDaniels, I have I have a friend out here in Portland who actually works for the Blazers, and he said the same thing that a lot of national people have said. But Jaden was pretty much brought to like, like he was basically valued now at two unprotected picks. Like if you would have put Jaden in that deal to Utah and Utah wanted him, you probably save a lot of draft capital. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure to be a guy. I mean, Jalen or Jaden McDaniels makes less money this next season than Wendell Moore. Like he's and he, Jaden's proven himself. Wendell hasn't done anything, so it's amazing. It's a lot of pressure, but he also seems. I don't know if you've ever got to interact with him or heard him talk. Like he doesn't lack confidence at mm-hmm. all. Like he he has a really mean streak and a toughness to him. So, but as I said last week, he can't he can't come in and give you nine and four. He's gonna have to like elevate his game now because you were essentially the tug of war piece that Minnesota won to keep, and now you kind of have to be like that third offensive banana at some yeah. level, like at some point, especially with Delo's future, we don't really know how short or long he could be here. I had a chance the day that this all went down, just a, a few hours later, I had a chance to talk with someone just behind the scenes, high up with the Timberwolves and just, Hey, give me the, give me the feel of what's happening behind the scenes. And uh, a, this person was very excited and everybody yeah, that that's the vibe that work with. But the other thing that, he made really clear was they were trying to get Jaden McDaniels for days that this was mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they were begging for Jaden McDaniels basically. And the compromise was throwing in an extra first round pick or two down the road. And so I think well, if you go back to the overpay conversation for a second, would you rather give up this great young piece to the nucleus and keep the 2027 and 2029 picks, which to me, it's an automatic no Unless there was some trade scenario that if they just played more hardball, that they could have kept Jaden McDaniels and kept Balmaro and the 2029 pick. And I don't know that that universe exists. Right. But I got to thinking about these draft picks and say, yeah, like that's a lot of draft picks to give up. But A, you keep Jaden McDaniels, which is a yes. And B, I think those draft picks, when you've already found your young franchise players, 
when you already found your Anthony Edwards and you already found your Carl Anthony Towns and Jade McDaniels and whatever you think of Jalen Noel, like you've already got these young players that are under the age of 26 or in some cases under the drinking age. Those draft picks then become much more valuable as trade chips than they do for you on draft night. Because like, what are you... No, okay, if you stumble into another Jaden McDaniels or another Anthony Edwards, obviously that would be amazing on draft night, but the chances are, are low, especially you know picking outside the lottery range. So I think the only reason why I would regret trading all those picks, and I don't, is to use for the next piece that would come along. Was there another piece besides Gobert that would have cost you a bunch of draft picks that would have been a better fit for this team? And I struggle to, to, to think that the Timberwolves were sitting there in that moment, or even if you were to include the, the, the possible scenarios that might have been there next summer. So like, let's take 12 months yeah, worth of yeah. scenarios, starting with Rudy Gobert and then whoever else might have become available via trade. And DeJounte Moore was, was uh, or Murray was in that mix. So you're looking at three doors. Were they choosing three amazing options? Gobert was one of them, but oh my gosh, look at there's another player here that it, it's it's not like they had three options for franchise changing players to leverage these draft picks for. So I'm okay with them using the draft picks in the way that they did, and the draft picks are more valuable in trades when you already have Anthony Edwards, etc. If you're a franchise like the Spurs and you're looking for your next Kawhi Leonard or your next Tim Duncan, Draft picks are great for you because you're you're just playing the lottery game at that point. But the Timberwolves aren't anymore. They're using those. They should be using those picks in the exact way that they did to land a guy like Rudy Gobert. And this isn't like a perfect comp, but like it kind of reminds me of like a rookie contract thing in football, or when you get guys in the second, third, fourth round. Like I made that thing about Jaden's going to make less money in his third year as a starter mm-hmm. than like Wendell Moore, who is going to play four and a half minutes a night and live in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, that's like a big deal, especially when you're looking at now how this team has like no financial flexibility. You do need to have those really young players. I mean, he's going to start over Torian Prince. He's going to start over Kyle Anderson. All those guys make more money than him. So to have two more years of him at like a combined three and a half million yeah. is a big deal. Even Anthony Edwards, who makes far more like 10 million this 10, next yeah. year. It's still like, okay, him and Jaden will make a combined 12. That's, you know, six per for two guys in your starting lineup. That's kind of what you have to do when you're going to pay your starting front court, you know, Towns and Gobert, almost $90 million. So, yeah, the Jaden thing was like the Family Guy mystery box boat thing. It's like, do you want to just keep the boat or do you want to just send them out so you can keep some picks and then hopefully you can get a, you know, in the mystery box down the road. It's like, why don't we just keep the boat? We know he's good. We know he wants to be here we know he loves hanging out with ant like and finch loves him i don't know it's it's impossible to ever find this out but if you had to have chris finch rank his favorite players one to 15 there's a really big part of me that thinks finchy would say Jaden is like his first favorite player like he was over the moon about this whole deal and he is gonna and the pressure's on him too right pressure's on Jaden. pressure's on jalen pressure's on finch too like he's got to make this work but this is also the most talent he's probably ever coached too so it's going to be a it's going to be fantastic. We have a couple minutes left here on the. Uh, it's it's amazing. We 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 start a podcast and boom, all of a sudden the Timberwolves make the biggest trade in franchise history. Yeah, all due thanks, respect thanks to us. to KG uh, in two thousand seven. So we're, we are the we are the straw that stirs the drink here. Apparently, in Timberwolvesville, <laughs> what do you think is the best case scenario for this team in the four year Rudy Gobert window? It's a great question. I put out a poll on Twitter yesterday that was like, 
I did it over a five-year window. I know Gobert signed for four, but I think five brought me to like the 2027 uh, pick swap or, or unprotected pick and had like 7,000 votes. It was just like, if over the course of the next five years, the Timberwolves won one championship, but also gave up one first overall pick. I mean, that would be hella embarrassing. Would you consider the Gobert trade a win? It had 7,600 votes and 99% yes, which is like, mm. it doesn't matter if you said our peanut butter and jelly sandwich is good. You wouldn't get a 99% yes vote on that. So to me, it's like, not even that. I don't even need the title. It's like, can you make a Western Conference Finals over the next five years and then two, you know, maybe like second rounds and then two first rounds, right? Like, I yeah, just don't really see, barring injury, there's just really no way with the talent they have. And they do have depth that we're not really focused on. I mean, Prince, Kyle Anderson, Jalen Noel, we talked about Jordan McLaughlin has been forgotten. Um, they're going to be a top eight team moving forward. So I think to your question, four years, you got to make the playoffs all four years. You have to, that's like the barometer. And then can you just do things that as you talk about every day that Minnesota sports teams don't really do? Can you advance in the playoffs? Can you get to the second round? Can a Western conference final strip over the next four years would make this a win to me? Because yes, that's it. Yep. And it would give you it would give you four years of playoff lumps, however far you can go. Uh, I agree with you. Western Conference Finals is a great bar for this franchise. And maybe it sounds like we're setting the bar too low, and we're letting you know thirty years of Minnesota sports ineptitude minus the links take over here. But if you can make some noise in the playoffs, get to a Western Conference Finals, and just take some lumps over the next four years, the reward you get is a hardened Anthony Edwards emerging into his prime years as a dominant wing player in the league. And then you're going to have Gobert's contract coming off the books if you want it to. Who knows what's, what Cat's going to be at that point. But it's just like to make this team relevant for four years leading into Anthony Edwards' prime should be very exciting for I everybody. Would trade my, I would trade my wife for one trip to the NBA Finals over the next decade. <laughs> She's not here right now. Um, so like as much as, as much as, and I'm a huge Carl fan. I think Dilo's really good. Gobert, uh, I have to go scrub some tweets about, but I will be a big fan of him moving forward. To me, it's always been about Anthony Edwards. Everything they do at that organization is about Anthony Edwards and getting him just like you said, hardened and just getting him those, you know, they call the Tatum reps, getting him real reps by the time he's 24, by the time he's Tatum's age 25. Um, it's all about him. This is all about him. This is having him play meaningful basketball now rather than having him wait a couple of years down the road because also to Everyone loves to wait because it lowers expectations. What if you suck for the next couple of years? And then he wants like, out. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I want to go back to Atlanta or something. No. Put him in the playoffs. Have him be pissed off about second round losses, not, you know, a 30 and 52 record. So it's all about Ant. This puts them in a, in a window that is, you know, much closer than we thought. But yeah, by the time this is all done, Anthony Edwards is going to be in his mid 20s. And you can then pivot and do all this other stuff with what you'll have at that point in the late 2020s. Yep. Amen. All right. We're going to, we're going to stop for now. We got plenty more throughout the rest of the off season. Uh, we're going to go weekly on flagrant howls during the off season, and then we'll ramp it up more once the season kicks in, but he's Kyle. I'm Phil. And uh, yeah, the Timberwolves traded for Rudy freaking Gobert. Let us know what you think about it. Now that you've had about a week to digest it in the YouTube comment section, you can hit us up on Twitter as well. We'll see you guys next week on flagrant howls. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up-to-the-minute scores for every sp- the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.